we continue our sermon series on Joseph uh, this week, and we've got a couple more, and we'll be wrapping this up. But it's been a wonderful journey. And, you know, this week I wanted to focus on, and I'm going to pick up a piece of scripture, and I'm going to teach on it today in just a few minutes. But, um, you know, Joseph had everything to really um, not to be grateful after all he'd gone through. Because after all, and we're going to get to the part of the story where he actually stands before Pharaoh. And um, it took him 13 years to finally get to that point. And uh, he could be really, actually very, very bitter. But he actually, as we find, he's actually very grateful. And I'm going to give you, um, once again, you can look at the text and we find out just how grateful he was. And so we're going to read that in just a minute. So having said that, I, I had shown you all this commercial, um, I don't know, maybe several years ago, but it's one of my favorite commercials and it just seemed to fit today. And so um, some of you maybe have seen it, some of you may have not seen it, but um, I just thought it seemed to be kind of fit exactly what I wanted, how I wanted to launch this message today. So let's draw attention to the screen. This is a commercial about, about a minute or so. Isn't that a great commercial? So let me ask you, how grateful would you be if someone gave you their heart? We'll come back to that in a minute. So, um, uh, you know, Faye, uh, Joseph has um, been on this journey. He goes from, uh, well, his brothers throw him into a pit and uh, they leave him there to die and then they pull him out and then they sell him off. And he ends up down in Egypt. You all know this part of the story. Then he ends up, Mrs. Potiphar has the hots for him. And then ultimately um, he ends up in prison and <laughs> serving a life sentence. And there he just sits waiting. But of course, God has given this un- unbelievable ability to be able to interpret dreams. So then, um, so finally, because uh, he interprets a couple of dreams for Pharaoh's couple of his butler and uh, his uh, cupbearer and uh, his baker, and um, and, and they re- finally remember him. One of them does, and and he uh, Pharaoh has these dreams and he he can't figure them out. And he says, "Oh, I know a guy. I met him in prison." And he says, "We'll go get him." And so we come to this part of the story where f- finally. Um, they go and get Joseph. You know, they clean him up. They shave his head. They give him a new robe. They put some old spice deodorant on him, make him smell better, right? As I shared with you all the last couple of weeks. And he finally stands there in front of uh, Pharaoh. And he interprets his dreams for him. And, and you know what? Um, I, I had this thought this last week, and uh, it made me think about, uh, does any, has anybody already played this game? It's, uh, well, I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's called Monopoly, right? <laughs> And, and so, you know, I did a little research this last week. This means, means absolutely nothing my message. But I, I thought this is interesting. Out of all the games that have ever been created in the history of humankind, I thought Monopoly would probably be number one. I mean, after though, they, they sold 250 million of these. Okay, that's a pretty big number. But you know what the number one game board ever, ever sold is called the Game of Life. And then uh, this is actually ended up fourth. You know what beat it out? Candyland. I didn't know that. So anyway. <laughs> and so um, as I was thinking about this, uh, as, as Joseph stands in front of Pharaoh, he ultimately gets, well, he gets this card. It's called the get out of jail card, right? Free. And so what's interesting about this as I, as I 
pulled this, uh, I asked Kayla this week, I said, Kayla, do you have any uh, board games? She says, yeah, I think we have a lot of them, Pastor Ron. I said, do you have Monopoly? She says, I don't know, go back there and look at it. So I, I pulled it out and I found this. And of course it had all the cards with it. But you know, this card is probably one of the most important cards that you can have if you play the game of Monopoly. Because if you, if you end up going to jail, you, you might need this card to get out of jail free card, right? Because if you don't have this card, you're stuck in prison, you're stuck in jail. And everybody else is playing the game, but there you sit, right? And it can, this could either have everything to do with winning and losing the game or not, if you have this card. It's actually one of the most important cards of the game. And now I never had noticed this, but you have to read the fine print. And the fine print on the get out of jail card, get, uh, get out of jail card free, this is free there. This card may be kept until needed, because you might need it. I mean, it's almost like an insurance policy, isn't it? Or sold. Now, who in their right mind would sell their get-out-of-jail card, right? Because you might need this. I mean, it's like this insurance policy that you might need in order to ultimately end up winning the game. Then I started thinking about, you know, Joseph is standing there in front of Pharaoh that day. And he gets out of, he actually gets the get-out-of-jail free card. And then I started thinking about, don't we all need an eternal insurance policy? And it rests in the grace of Jesus Christ. Can we amen on that? And so I love this, I love this because the Apostle Paul puts it this way, because he realized he needed to get out of jail card himself. And this is actually very good theology. He says, oh, what a wretched man I am. This is in Romans. He says, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? He says, but thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord, exclamation point. And the reality is, Everybody, because we have messed up royally in our lives, we need a get out of jail free card at some point. And Christ continues to offer us that. We call it his grace. Um, one of my favorite books on grace is written by Philip Yancey. And I've actually done a study on this. And I think it's in the library. And if you would like one, I think I've got a couple extra copies. It's what's so amazing about grace. And so this is Philip Yancey's uh, interpretation or his definition of grace. I don't know if you ever thought about a, de a definition of grace, but this is what Philip Yancey says. He says, grace means there is nothing I can do to make God love me more and nothing I can do to make God love me less. It means that I, even I, who deserve the opposite, am invited to take my place at the table in God's family. Grace. So I don't know about you all, but there have been many times in my life that I needed to get out of jail card. Like, for example, like uh, the time I forgot my anniversary. <laughs> or... The time I forgot to pick up the kids at the car loop and they were just sitting there waiting, waiting. And finally it dawned on me that I was supposed to pick up the kids that day. And of course I turned to them and said, don't tell your mother. Um, uh, like the time I, I was in the middle of a children's sermon and it happened to be Super Bowl Sunday and I had all the kids there and I had the football as my visual aid and I threw it to one kid and it, I had no clue that he, he couldn't catch and it hit him right in the face and laid him out like a popsicle. And his mother would look at me like, really? <laughs> or like the time in which one of my friends and I were out in my dad's brand new car and 
He ended up barfing in the back seat. Oh my gosh, that was awful. Where's the Febreze? Where is it? You know, and the only problem was Febreze wasn't even invented back then, you know. My father never said a word to me about that. Grace. Grateful for all these things. Grateful for God's amazing grace in life. And so, you know, we find this part of the story, and as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, um, I gave you that visual aid about the bounce back bozo, and, um, you know, Joseph continued to continue to bounce back over and over again, and I got this great email this last week from a couple from our church, and actually, they sent me a picture of their, here's a picture of their own bounce back bozo. They actually have one of those, right? But they sent me the picture, but they also sent me a message. And this was their message they wrote to me. It says, Dear Pastor Harold, thank you so much for your, for your message this morning. And uh, you can see by the picture, we too have a, a Mr. Bobo knock, knock down helper during difficult times. Uh, Mr. Bobo has been with us over 20 years. They've had him for 20 years. And during my wife's depression, anxiety bouts, and my cancer, we have always found when we knocked him down, he always came balancing back with a smile, as you can see. Yes, God is with us and helps us in ways we never expected. Thank you, Pastor Harold, and thank you for our church. So when you think about it, what, what are you grateful for? What are we really grateful for today? I mean, are we grateful for our spouses? Are we grateful for our children? Are we just grateful for a, just another day of life? I can tell you that right up. You know, when you get run over by a truck, as I mentioned, I hadn't seen, I hadn't had a chance to hug some of you since December of 2019. What a joy it is. To, I'm just grateful that I can hug people today. I can shake people's hands. I can smile at you. I'm just, I'm just so grateful. I'm just grateful. You know, um, I'm grateful just to hear the birds this morning. I'm grateful that I went fishing last week in the middle of the Ocala National Forest and I could see the billions of stars because there's no light pollution out there. And then it went from twilight to the sunrise and it was the most beautiful sunrises I've ever seen. And then not to mention, I caught a seven and a half pound bass. Yes, that even made it better, right? But aren't we just grateful? Grateful that we don't, well, we don't have to wear a mask today. Grateful that we can have a vaccine. Grateful that we can worship freely today. Just grateful. I like what Lakato he talks about this and tells a little story, but he, this little quote in his book, he says, you know, what we need is a spoonful of gratitude is all that we really need. A spoonful of gratitude. I thought, sorry, I love that. The idea of the spoonful of gratitude. Now, do you all remember the movie Mary Poppins? Do you remember that? Okay. And do you remember Julie Andrews who said, just a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down, medicine go down, medicine go down, just a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down in the most delightful way. Do you remember that? Right? Okay. You know, I, you know, I, I just started thinking about my own childhood. I remember my mom and dad, I mean, if I had a tummy, stomach ache, I had my tummy was hurting or something or anything that I had anything wrong with me, my mother would turn to my father, whose name was Harold, and say, Harold, get the castor oil, right? Does anybody remember castor oil? Oh my gosh. Man, that stuff was awful. But you know, it fixed everything. <laughs> kind of like duct tape, right? It fixes everything. Harold, just get the castor oil. The, the boy's got a tummy ache. We got to get, get, you know. And my, I remember my mom, I, my mother would say to me, just hold your nose. And then they would pour it down at me. I, gosh. 
I mean, I, I like what Lakato says. You know, what we need is just a, a spoonful of gratitude. Now, how do we know how grateful Joseph was? Well, in the Bible, we find in the book of Genesis, the 41st chapter, where um, we get a hint about it. Because once again, so Joseph is there. He's in front of Pharaoh. Pharaoh gives him, well, gives him his get out of jail card because he's able to interpret his dreams that nobody else could interpret. And on this day, his whole life changes. I mean, um, he gets a brand new robe, he gets, a, he gets a golden chain, he gets a singlet ring. And then after that, um, he ends up having a wife, gets a wife, and, um, and he ends up having two children. And so here's the part of the story that I think is very powerful. Um, so it says, so Joseph had uh, two sons born to him before the years the famine came. Anastha, the daughter of Potiphar, the priest of On was their mother. Joseph, I thought this is interesting. Joseph was ended up naming his children. Joseph named the firstborn Manasseh, which means to forget, saying, God made me forget all the hardships of my parental home. And then he named his second son Ephraim, which means double prosperity, saying, God has prospered me in the land of my sorrow. In other words, I love this part. So in other words, he named his children um, forget and fruitful. Out of all the things he could have chosen, I, I think that was just amazing. And it gives us a hint. In other words, every time that Joseph would call upon his children, his only two sons, it reminded him that he should be grateful. Now, here's the interesting thing. So don't you realize when you have your name, I mean, you, you, that, you, you are named for life. I mean, unless you decide you're going to change your name, but typically we don't do that. But, and, and you have to be thinking, for example, I mean, if you've got a name, you're stuck with that name. Uh, what was Governor Jim Hogg thinking when he named his daughter Ima? <laughs> Let that sit in for a second, right? So you got a name. It's your name. I can imagine. I, listen, here's the interesting thing. Uh, we have five children. Uh, uh, what's, normally, uh, when it comes to these things, uh, the mother ends, ends up winning because she ends up, my, well, my family, uh, Donna picked out four of the five names, right? I got to pick one name. I'm the one that actually named Cameron. But she's the one who picked out all the other names. So I can just imagine it had to be an interesting conversation between Mrs. Joseph and Joseph. And so uh, Mrs. Joseph was going through the, the Publix line and she sees the little books over there and she sees the baby name books over there and she opens up the book and she's looking through, oh, this looks like these are great names. So they have a conversation and, and so she goes back to Joseph and says, I've got two great names for our sons. And Joseph says, no, I've got two great names and I'm, we're gonna name one Manasseh and we're gonna name one Ephraim. And she says, that's really not what I was thinking. I was thinking more like Tut or Ramses or something like that. No, no, no. And so Joseph evidently ends up winning because he's the one who names his sons, the Bible says. And everything he names his children reminds him that he should be grateful. Now listen, let's fast forward because once again, let me teach one to it. This story is 3,500 years old. So let's fast forward 1,500 years later. There's another story in the Bible that we find the gospel of Luke. And so uh, Jesus is going along 
and he's on the road between Galilee and Samaria. Now, of course, um, usually the Jewish people didn't go through Samaria because the, the, the Jews and the Samaritans hated each other. So he, it's interesting that Jesus would even take this route to go through Samaria. So on the road to Samaria, he encounters, you all know the story, the 10 lepers. Now, what's interesting about this is that, you know, this is so classic Jesus. So typically people would avoid the lepers, but what does Jesus do? He pursues the lepers. And so lepers reach out, or actually call out, Jesus, says, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. And so then Jesus seeing them, he doesn't heal them instantly. He, he tells them to go and show themselves to the priest. And on the way towards the priest, they end up healing. Now, what's interesting about that part of the story is because um, in that tradition, the priest was the one who actually gave them, you ready for this? Their get out of jail card. Uh, he was the one who ultimately would tell them if they actually were, they actually had been healed, that they actually had, were no longer ritually unclean. And so somewhere between that conversation that Jesus has with the 10 lepers and on the way to go see the priest, all 10 of them are healed. And then one of them, as you all know, came back and thanked Jesus. And the Bible says this. Now, one of them saw that he was healed and he went back to Jesus and he praised God loudly and he bowed down at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And the Bible says, and guess what, guys? He was a Samaritan. In other words, once again, the Samaritan is the hero in the story. And Jesus says, hey, man, there were 10 men who were healed. Where are the other nine? This man is not even one of our people, and yet is he the only one who came back to give God praise? Grateful and ungrateful. I mean, it's amazing that it, Jesus even seems to be blown away in this story about their ungratefulness. And then I started thinking, I said, why, why were they so ungrateful? And once again, why are sometimes are we ungrateful? Like maybe are we just too busy? Are we just too cautious? Are we just too arrogant to be grateful? My, um, my brother-in-law was here this last weekend. It was, uh, uh, you know, last week was Mother's Day and my sister and my brother-in-law came to see my mom and it was nice. Matter of fact, my, my sister and my brother-in-law celebrated their 25th anniversary and I helped them renew their vows in my backyard last week. It was just so nice. It was very powerful. You know, my brother-in-law almost died a couple of years ago. He had a massive heart attack and he became just a whisker of, of dying. So my brother-in-law works for, let me show you a picture of who he works for. Can you put that picture of that? Yeah, he works for Costco. And um, he's kind of like, he, he, he just knows how to fix everything. He's just a jack of all trades. It's amazing um, all the things he does. And so he's, just, he's, he's a kind of a maintenance person, but he fixes anything. And so one day, evidently, he was kind of finished with all his duties. So he was there just kind of helping people put all their stuff together. Now, of course, in Costco, it's a little different than it is in Publix. Because in Publix, you know, you usually just have the plastic bag or the paper bag. But at Costco, because you're dealing with bulk, a lot of times people bring their own boxes. And so he goes in. And he's helping this one gentleman be able to put his stuff in these boxes. And he had like three boxes. And he says, well, do you want, do you want to use all three boxes? Or do you want to just use one box? Or, and the man looked at him and says, what are you, are you stupid? 
and Mark looked at me and said, huh? He says, now, are you, are you stupid? Don't you see that I only need one box? He says, well, I thought you might. You brought three boxes. I thought maybe you would only, maybe I, I didn't really understand what you really wanted. So that was his response. Are you stupid? How grateful is that person? And, and so then, then here's, and he shared this story with me this last week. He said, you know, the other day, Harold, I was standing um, with, a, there was a couple there, and they were looking at the milk aisle. So they have, you know, this is Costco. So they got a big, huge air refrigerator unit with the milk. So they call Mark over, because evidently see his name tag, and say, hey, hey, Mark, um, can you please tell us, where's the butter? And he is, well, the butter is, you know, on the other side because it's, there's another refrigerator unit across. And they, they were annoyed at Mark because the butter was next to the milk. It didn't make any sense to them. It, it blew their mind that, and, and so they were aggravated with Mark because Costco didn't put the butter with the milk. It was not on the same aisle. So Mark, God bless him, I'm glad I don't work for Costco, um, said to him, well, I tell you what, you all stand right here and I'll go get you the butter and bring it back to you. Now, the next thing you know, they go kind of off in a huff because they thought he was being sarcastic. The next thing you know, his manager comes and talks to him and says, so I heard you had a conversation with the milk and butter people. And he says, yes, I did. And, he, and so it makes me stop and think, how grateful are those people that they have to go to the manager and complain about my brother-in-law and all he was trying to do was to help them. You know what's interesting in life, and this is so true, hurt people choose normally, traditionally hurt people. Did you catch that? A lot of times hurt people hurt other people. I was talking to a, one of my waitress friends recently and she was just saying, you know, the other day I had someone who just went off on me and I said, I'm so sorry. And, and she said, you know, I, it just really took me back because I really take pride in my job and, and they're just, I just didn't understand why this particular person went off on me. And, and <clears throat> I said, you know, and you're just dealing with lots of different people, but it's so true. A lot of times... And then I told her, I said, you know what? Chances are it had absolutely nothing to do with you. You know what's interesting? I was reading this last week. I love this quote because once again, here's just a thought. And here's just a thought for you all and for me to think about. I'm living in um, Boynton Beach, but you know, she is a true African. And, and so her husband died of pneumonia. And so we just kind of, kind of adopted her going all the way back to Miami at the very beginning of our ministry back in 1989. And so we've kept in touch. And so her, as Don, I think Don mentioned, her children are our children, our children are her children. And we just really love each other. And so we have continued to support her family and, um, in Zimbabwe, just about an hour. It's a little bitty tribe, a little con in concession. And, and for years and years, um, I would get a phone call from Arius. Arius was her nephew. And we would send stuff over and they would either take the money or we would actually send clothes or so forth. And, and he would always call us. Now, here's the interesting thing. Aries did not get the memo that African time is different from Florida time. 
See, he would call us at three o'clock in the morning. It never failed. It was always, he would have to go and walk like three or four miles down the road and he had to go to some kind of somebody's house and they had a phone and, and you could barely hear him because he's on the other side. And of course, this goes back in the late 19, 1990s. And so, and so, but he always would call and I didn't bring, speak a whole lot of Shauna, but, and he didn't speak a whole lot of English, but let me tell you, thank you is the universal language. Gratefulness is the universal language. I think I got a picture of Iris here. Let me see a picture, a picture of Iris. And when, Iris is the one on this right. And so it's this tragic story. Iris is in charge basically of that whole community that, and um, his family and he had a beautiful family. And he was riding on one of those great big trucks a couple of years ago. I think he was going to work. And, you know, this is in Africa and the roads aren't very good and lots of potholes. And it's nothing like we have here. And the truck flipped and he died. You know, I, I really, I would give anything. I would give anything to have a phone call from Iris tonight at three o'clock in the morning. Grateful. How grateful are you? So I was thinking this week about the story about Joseph. And you know, here's just a thought, you know, did you ever stop and think that your lungs inhale 11,000 liters of air every day. Your heart beats over three billion times in your life. Your brain has more power than an electric generator. Which aisle are you on? When was the last time you stopped and said, Lord, thank you? When's the last time that you gave Jesus Christ a standing ovation for your life? Psalmist put it this way, I give thanks to you, O Lord, my God, my, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever. This last week, um, my son Jordan came home to see his mother for Mother's Day, and he was about to leave. We had a nice time, and, um, and so he was about to go out the door, and he says, oh, Dad, you know what? Um, he says, do you have a piece of paper right here? And I said, well, yeah. So I went to the printer, and I got the piece of paper all, and he's, well, he says, where's a pen? So he goes, and I said, well, there's one right there. I said, Jordan, what are you doing? He says, Dad, I've got to write Mom a love note before I leave. Just when you think all is lost, it's amazing what your children can do. Dra gratitude gets us through the hard stuff. To reflect on your blessings is to rehearse God's accomplishments. To rehearse God's accomplishments is to discover his heart. To discover his heart is to discover not just good gifts, but the good giver. Gratitude always leaves us looking at God and away from dread. It, just, it does to anxiety what the morning sun does to the valley mist. It burns it up. So let me just wrap this up today. You know what's interesting? I never had thought about this, but um, you know, every Saturday night we have communion. Of course, last week we had communion. And, you know, um, and, and when I, when I never had realized, but when I, I stand up here and I sit on the night in which Jesus Christ was given up and he was betrayed, he, he took the bread and he, he blessed the bread. He gave thanks for the bread. And then he gave the bread. Now, you know what's interesting? Who else but Jesus could weave in betrayal and thanks in the same sentence? I never thought about that. So in other words, he's got, I mean, wouldn't you love to have been a fly on the wall that night when 
in the upper room. I mean, you got Judas over here who's going to betray him, and Jesus knows exactly what he's going to do. And then you got Peter over here that he know he's, knows he's going to curse him. And, and so yet, and yet Jesus, on the night in which, of course, the way Paul put it in 1 Corinthians, he says, on the night in which when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took the bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and he said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Who else but Jesus could give thanks and then be betrayed and you put it all in one sentence. So what's interesting in the last little part of the story today is, um, you know, it's, it's amazing to me when you take, think, uh, think about this story about Joseph. And you know what? Um, restoration seems to really matter to God because see, Joseph could have very easily, you know what I think? Look, so Jesus, uh, Joseph rises up and he's the, he's the prime minister and he's got power. So here's the interesting thing. Have you ever thought of it? Why didn't Joseph go back and see his family? I mean, he had the power. He could have just said, Pharaoh, listen, I'm going to take a couple of weeks off. I'll see you. You hold things down, right? But you know what? Why, you have to ask yourself, why didn't Joseph go back to see his dad his, and his family? And it, chances are it's because it was, maybe it was just too painful for him to go back. I mean, you just, just let bygone, bygones be God, bygones. And, you know, I've got a new life. I've got a wife. I've got a beautiful wife. I've got two beautiful children. I'm grateful. I'm thankful. But yet, you know, Joseph never goes back and sees his family. There's got to be a reason for that. And yet God mixes things up, doesn't he? Because once again, Joseph holds the keys to the kingdom. He's the one who holds the, he's the gatekeeper for all the, the grain and all the bread. And so the Bible says in the book of Genesis that his 10 brothers, because they're out of food, go down to, to Egypt. And lo and behold, who they find? Their brother. Of course, they don't know it's a brother. And what's very interesting about this is this part of the story. And this is where we'll clo close today and we'll pick it up next week. But you know, as, as, as the, his brothers show up and they're standing in front of, their, of Joseph and they don't recognize Joseph because you know what? He's got a shaved head. He doesn't have any facial hair. He's got plight black eye makeup. And you know what's interesting is that they don't realize it's Joseph, but Joseph knows exactly who it is. He recognizes their voice. He knows that they're Hebrew and he recognizes he knows exactly who his brothers are. And you know what it does? He throws their butts in jail for three days. He makes them sit there. And I think that God is actually messing with Joseph because he has to decide what's he going to do with his brothers. Is it going to be one of those revenge things or is he going to release them? I mean, I told this story is really about gratefulness, but it's also about grace. So what does Joseph do? He gives his three brothers, his 10 brothers, So let me ask you something. When we think about life and being grateful, don't we have so much to be grateful for? But the most important things that we have to be grateful for is the grace of Jesus Christ and all the things that we continue to mess up. And let me tell you, my wife can tell you, I mess up about every single day, right? <laughs> and we need grace. And not only do we need grace from each other, but most importantly, we need grace from Jesus Christ. So this sermon's come full circle because it is about grace, but it's also about being grateful. And let me ask you something. Don't you think 
that Jesus Christ would be grateful if you gave him your heart? I mean, after all, there's that story in the Gospel, Luke, the 15th chapter, where Jesus says there's more rejoicing over one sinner who's repented than the 99 who are righteous. Lord Jesus, we're grateful for the day you've given to us and for your love and for your grace that continues to shower upon us. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving us. And we're so humbled. But Lord, we are also so grateful. We're grateful that we can give you our heart, surrender our hearts to you. We're grateful for the day that we've had a chance to worship you today. We're grateful for the life that you've given to us and we've had so much to be grateful for. Our family, children, grandchildren, everything that we have, Lord, is a gift from you. So as we go forth, Lord Jesus, let us continue to be grateful for what you've given to us, grateful for your love and forgiveness, grateful that we can give you our heart, but so grateful, Lord, for your dying upon a rugged cross for our redemption. Thank you for the grace. In Jesus Christ, we pray. And all God's children said, amen.